0: Hello and welcome to the Super Show. It has been a little bit dry this week to go with the super hot weather, but we've still got some uh, awesome video game news for you. We're going to be talking about Assassin's Creed, uh, a little bit of Nintendo news, and also, Jamie's excited because we're going to be talking Skate 4. Well,
1: Speaking of the big man, how the hell are you? Can I put an asterisk next to that excited? I'm excited yes. but also very cautious. Much the same mm. way I'm feeling about this podcast, because as you mentioned, it's been a bit warm in this country, but... To preserve the clear, crisp audio quality that the Super Show guarantees, we've both made the commitment of turning our fans off. So, potentially two sweaty just, messes. Oh, Anyone
0: on who's watching this on YouTube can probably see that I've already got a sheen on because it's a little bit warm in you're here. You're glistening. But, I'm glowing, mate. That's what I'll go glowing. Glistening sounds a little bit too sexy. I uh, yeah, don't know what you're doing I'm,
1: to be Maybe that was intentional. You don't know.
0: But yes, you might have noticed that today we don't have Chris with us. He is off being all important somewhere else, so he can't be with us today. But it doesn't matter because you've got me and Jamie to give you the week's video game news. I've realised, I'm going to ask you this, I'm going to pause here. What do you call games? Do you call them games or do you call them video games? Because I make a point of calling (sighs) them video games because I like it. I think it
1: sounds cool. I think, the, I, I know what you mean, I don't mind the term video games, and I think it's also a little bit more descriptive than games. I realise that every time I go onto to Sporkle, and I'm like, oh, I want to do a really good video game quiz, and I click on something that sounds somewhat intriguing, and they're asking me about my favourite Monopoly pieces, I'm like, no, you've got, you got the wrong idea. I'm not talking about snakes and ladders, you know, I'm talking about hardcore, what does Chris always say, capital G gaming? Um, capital G. But, it always makes yeah. me think of our good friend Robin, because he
0: is an avid board game fan, right? and they call those games as well. So, I, so then I'm like, but I've always liked the term video games, even though they're not video games anymore. It doesn't make sense. The, the,
1: term, the term that's difficult, it's not games or gaming, it's gamers. Gamers is the difficult term. Are you a gamer? Gamer,
0: capital G Gamer.
1: Right, because I, uh, like, do you, would you self-identify as a gamer? Would you, like, if you went to a wedding and it was introduced to someone for the first time, would you call yourself a gamer if they asked you if you were
0: one? <laughs> oh, if, okay, two different answers. If they said, oh, are yes, you a gamer, yeah. Blew it. I'd say Yes. But if they if I introduce myself, I wouldn't say hi. I'm Alex. I'm a gamer. That would sound, that's so weird. I, I'd probably lead. With, if they said, "Oh, what do you do?" I'd say, you know, I'd say my job, or I'd say well, I wouldn't be like,
1: okay. I what like to what play about if they ask games. about your hobbies and they don't? And, and uh, you game?
0: Can't, I'd say games, video games. I'd say yeah, video games. Just love it. Love a bit of a.
1: I'm trying whatever. to. I'm th- I'm trying to find a way that I can word a question that's going to force you to answer by self identifying as a gamer. But it's hard to find the right combination of words to do so. I just find that term a bit tricky, not because of the, any of the things attached to it nowadays, just because I think it's a slightly awkward word to say. Like, I'm a gamer sounds. It sounds like something so, who's not a gamer would say. I had someone identify me as a gamer. I mean, look at you. Were so, you glistening oh, then oh, too?
0: I was glistening. Um, I was. I was walking through uh, King's Cross train station, and they had these like little units set up, and it was you could try like the Oculus Rift. It was back in the day before um, uh, VR was like a big thing. And they had, I think it was like uh, whatever the then version of like EVE Online or something like that was. So maybe just EVE, whatever. Um, and they had the Oculus Rift and they're like, oh, you know, you can try it on and you can have, give VR a go. So I, I, you know, I was there. I was waiting for my train anyway. I was like, let me hop in and get a little bit of a tasty VR sesh. Um, she gave me the Xbox gamepad, hopped in, played for about 10, 15 minutes. And I think afterwards she was like, oh, I can tell you're a gamer. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah. Which I didn't mind, but at the time, going back maybe quite a while, there yeah. wasn't as much baggage <laughs> attached to the term. Oh, right. Not, I don't care about the baggage, to be honest, though. It doesn't well, really bother me that
1: much. I know you said it was a while back. Was your wardrobe similar? Because I've also got this mental image of you feeling well proud of yourself, walking off, then checking the mirror and realising you're wearing your Among Us hoodie, and that's what gave you away. <laughs> well, uh, no, I so
0: this is before I... I think this is early days of work of meeting you guys and working together. So I don't think I actually owned any video game merch at that point. So I would have been in very similar clothes, but just like t-shirt and jeans. I guess I don't really know.
1: Coming up on the 10 year anniversary, by the way, speaking of when we would have met and um, not quite when we got started gaming, but certainly when we started working together, very close to the, well, the the nine year anniversary is, is almost any day now. So yeah, Hmm. 10 years coming up. That is kind of crazy. I'm I'm going to give a little shout out before we start as well.
0: Anyone out there who's already noticed watching us on YouTube to my new digs, because I'm no longer um, in my uh, home office. I've moved out. Not of my home. I still live there. But um, I'm I'm working out of an office. So I've actually got a little bit more space. So that's why I've got the, the lightsaber behind me. Um, yeah, and then we're gonna we're trying this out. So I apologize if the audio is rubbish. I'll have to listen to it back and see how it was. Because if people are like, "Jonesy's audio is terrible this week," and it's usually pretty yeah. good, then I'll I'll have to rectify that. For the but next it looks
1: week. good, right? If nothing else, and that just it means people have to go and watch good. the YouTube version of this thing, and then the video version of your presentation can make up for the lack of audio.
0: It can. And uh, before we start, Jamie picked the color of the lightsaber because look, you can do.
1: Oh, oh, oh no! Talking about right. stage fright, Jonesy's got a color picker in his hand, and he's trying to change the color of his cool new neon streamer lightsaber. It's only bloody and it's broken, not isn't it? working. Now this happened. This happened. Really apparently, this happens to more men than than we actually talk about. Like it's a very common problem. Fall. Yeah, I can't believe every I time, I, it every time, everywhere. every every podcast other than ours oh. is sponsored by a product that helps with the kind of performance problems you're having right now. It's changed. It has. It's orange oh, now. no. And now it can't change back.
0: Have the oh, batteries imagine- in your
1: remote died or something? No, oh, it's brand new. Oh, my God. This is really annoying.
0: I reckon it's just that the clicky button's not working very well. I love that you no, gave me
1: the perfect um, kind of dress uh, rehearsal earlier. Jonesy was flicking through every colour of the rainbow. He had some crazy mode where it, you know, it turned <laughs> into a disco and every different colour was flashing. And now he's stuck on a colour he probably doesn't even like. Oh, I don't want this piss colour. <laughs> Piss colour, Jonesy's Jonesy's oh, piss background. He's fucked it. Well, I'm gonna. I will have to admit, Jonesy. We will get to a point where we will have to actually record a podcast rather than try and fix your light. Like I know you're distracted keep... right now, but
0: yeah, let's crack on. I'll have to. I'll keep just clicking the button randomly and trying to. Uh,
1: so I, if hope, I can fix see, it See, I hope it doesn't change. Much. I want everyone in the comments down below to remind you of your piss yellow background <laughs> that you've uh, christened your studio with. Have I
0: broken it already? <laughs> I anyway, anyway, ignore the light because it was beautiful and now it's ugly. <laughs> Maybe if I give it a few minutes it'll fix itself. We are a uh, we are a video games podcast. If you didn't know, if you're finding us for the first time, we're on YouTube. We're also on podcasting platforms. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, anywhere that's cool that you get your podcasts from. So you don't just have to look at us in video form. You can also listen to us when you're on the go or vice versa. Um, we're also on paisleyradio.com where you can get a pseudo live radio experience every week. Um, that's Thursdays, 10 p.m., repeated on Mondays at 10 p.m. as well. So you have no excuse to miss us if you know you're. I always imagine people listening to the radio these days are, like, fixing a car. I don't know why. They're always mm. in the engine, like, with a, with a spanner, like, ah, can't get the carburetor off. And maybe they're doing that while they're listening to us, Jamie. That's what I like maybe. to imagine.
1: But then I do that with podcasts a lot nowadays. Not that I'm fixing cars very often. In fact, I'm never fixing cars <laughs> at all, unless it's virtually in a simulator of some kind. But I do put podcasts on for sort of, you know, housework, let's say, or cleaning. I do the same thing, actually. Yeah. Housework is it. it's one that I definitely do. A dishwasher. It's going to I annoy mean, me so washer. much. I can tell every time you look down to your left that you're looking at the remote to see which button you're pressing to see if the light's changing. And if you're doing that for the next two hours, <laughs> <gasps> it's oh, fixed. Mace Windu's back in the building.
0: Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy. You have no idea how happy I am. What how, what would have been running through your
1: it. mind if you'd been stuck with Pissy Yellow for the rest of the show?
0: That um, I would be the next Donald Trump. Mm. Russian hookers
1: urinating on me for fun yes. which apparently was not true apparently that was all made up but yeah but where's go. the fun in believing things like that didn't happen when you could just believe that it did it's kind of mad isn't it that you can say something like that and everyone's like oh yeah because he got pissed on and then it's like that
0: was made up wasn't I, know, yeah. I when someone told me it was made up and I was like I thought that was like that had been confirmed, and they're like, no, no. Apparently, it was just bullshit. That someone can, made up.
1: Can I say something really lame? And it, not only is it a lame story, uh, but it is also it sheds light on absolutely nothing. It's really, now that I think about it, just sort of running back over territory that everyone is well aware of at this point. But it is fascinating watching the way that a combination of social media, both you know, big platforms like Twitter, but also social media in more sort of like uh, personal and kind of off the grid senses, like a WhatsApp group, can just make rumors that have absolutely no grounding in reality go from 0 to 100 because yeah. I am a part of a group of friends who watch a very particular reality TV show that airs every summer in the UK and it's you, you don't know, watch it do you I I've watched more of it than oh. I care to admit I we don't It's called Love Island, okay, for anyone that doesn't know. Anyway, part of my excuse is that I'm in a WhatsApp group and I have lots of friends. Not all blokes, by the way, I will say. There's, you know, (laughs) equal opportunities WhatsApp group. Um, And everyone sort of chips in, everyone comments on the episode, everyone comments on the gossip. And I feel like every single day, bar none, there will be, so like a, a a screenshot of just some random tweet from a random account with zero following, clearly not a real person based on the profile name and the profile picture. And they'll just be saying some random rumor about something that happened inside the villa or something that happened to someone outside the villa, the reason someone left the villa, something that in this very recently, the one I got today, the re, like, basically the one I got today was, was that, so the couple who won last year have just announced that they've broken up. And I get a message midday today and it's a screenshot of a tweet that says, oh yeah, apparently they broke up because um, he, he got found shagging someone in the toilets at a music festival. And it's like, where does that even come from? We know that it's complete nonsense because the gossip magazines have revealed that they actually broke up a while ago and have been like finding ways to not share the house together since and all this kind of stuff. But this one tweet just blows up because someone him, so so yeah, I heard he was shagging someone in the in a, in a, like a fucking temporary toilet at a music festival and everyone's like yeah that sounds fun I'll share that
0: it's kind of insane how more people don't just make up bullshit that goes like around the world yeah. maybe they do maybe maybe 90% of what we think we know is made up
1: to maybe. be fair maybe like no idea. it comes back to the Trump thing I think sometimes we're so enamoured by how fun it would be for something to be real and how much we want it to be real that that's what possesses us to share it or at least to say hey this probably isn't real but have you heard this
0: also, I think it was when, when it's someone that you have a certain opinion of, anyway, you, tend to, you are happy to believe certain things. Whereas if it was someone you really like, liked or they were your person, you'd be like, nah, that can't be real. Yeah. Whereas exactly. yeah, it's more fun to believe it in it sometimes. But anyway, let's talk about um, some other rumors because um, Assassin's Creed is a game that we obviously have gotten used to having a release every year, and we're actually coming up on um, two years since Valhalla came out, and we haven't even had mention of the next offering from uh, Ubisoft in the Assassin's Creed series. But that changed because ACG
1: recently tweeted out... I can't remember the name of the guy. You actually know the name of the guy. You told me earlier. What's his name? It confuses me all the time. The channel's called ACG. He refers to himself as Carrick, I think. And again, I'm assuming it's all the same person. The Twitter name is Jeremy Jeremy Penzer. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy. Okay,
0: so Jer- let's say Jeremy
1: from ACG. Um, if you haven't seen it, good YouTube channel,
0: check it out. I always check them out before I, I buy a game because I, I, I like what they offer. But yes, anyway, so he tweeted out that the next Assassin's Creed game was going to be set or um, have an Aztec setting, so like South American. I'm going to really, re- like my history and geography is going to come together now. Where is, where, I don't know where exactly where the Aztecs are, but South America, maybe like 500 years ago? Three or four hundred oh, years ago, I don't know. Um, let's go with like four, three, four hundred years ago because I'm not really sure. I have no um, idea. but he he uh, tweeted out this and said that's where the next game is going to take place. And I'm not gonna say friend of the show if I say uh, <laughs> uh, oh, how, I don't even know what the right phrasing would be. Someone that we stand, Jason Schreier, um, then got to Reddit and uh, sort of corrected the record a little bit because he said as far as he was aware the next game was not going to take place in an Aztec setting but was in fact going to take place in Baghdad and i believe it's also going to be the, one of the same characters that we've had before
1: um yeah quite, I, um, I forget the guy's name but um he was he was uh, featured quite prominently in Valhalla where he Basim i think it's Basim is it yeah Basim uh, yeah that's right uh, he he again to 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 explore the nature of like the kind of role he plays in Valhalla would be go into major spoiler uh, territory for that game, but he plays a big role in Valhalla.
0: And so one interesting thing about um, this game, so uh, I don't know if the actual title is going to be, but working title seems to be uh, Assassin's Creed Rift, um, is that this was originally Valhalla DLC, which has now been rolled out into an interim title that will uh, fill the slot before the next full title in the Assassin's Creed series. So uh, Jason Schreier, the service do doer that he, that he is, um, I don't know what that was, that phrase was supposed to be, <laughs> the g- giver of information that Jason Schreier is, he sort of corrected the record and said, no, it's going to be Assassin's Creed Rift, it's taking place in Baghdad, it's going to feature Basim, and that is going to be the next game. Um, thoughts, Jamie? You're going to say... <laughs> Well, That's probably well, what we'd assume right because we haven't heard anything else about Assassin's Creed and yeah. it seems like that they are giving themselves a bit of breathing space before they uh push out a next full full title.
1: <sighs> yeah, they are the, it's it, it, I think It was weird because, like you said, some of this was already known. The idea that there maybe was going to be some kind of an interim Assassin's Creed before we got to Infinity, which is their big new project, um, and that it would be slightly smaller in scale, that Bassett would be involved, that maybe it would be slightly more focused on old-school, more traditional, stealth-based Assassin's Creed antics rather than big, sprawling, open-world action RPG antics that the more recent titles have become associated with. I think the thing that kind of intrigued me about this, though, is that Going back to Infinity, and I know we haven't talked about that, established that much yet in terms of this conversation, but it opens up the door for rumours like this to be weirdly real. So when ACG comes out and says, oh, Assassin's Creed Aztecs, I'm kind of imagining in my mind that that could be something they're planning for the future. It could be something that's rolled into or a part of Infinity many years from now, and I can kind of get excited about that, but it seems like that may not even be the case. And so... I'm kind of left in a weird spot where the last time they took um, a significant amount of time off, like you said, um, this fall will be two years since Valhalla, and I don't even know if Rift will make it out in time for fall because, of course, Ubisoft's next Assassin's Creed update is due for September. Well, they? I don't think they're going to release an Assassin's Creed game with one or two months lead-up. I think it's going to be a Q1 game um, or something like that, um, or Q2. And so, like, am I am I hyped about the idea of the longest wait in the modern era of Assassin's Creed for then an interim game about a character that already featured very prominently in Valhalla. Kind of no. Um, also, like Baghdad, I'd be lying if I knew a lot about ba- ba- Baghdad or or how Baghdad might differentiate itself through different eras of time, which they could theoretically go back to. But it does just kind of give me that sort of uh, Western Asia, West Asia feel that s- some parts of Assassin's Creed in its past have kind of... Felt there or thereabouts with. Like, again, geographically, I don't know that that's 100% fair to say. Um, but in terms of vibe, um, I don't know. Yeah. it's, it's inter- I think the interesting
0: thing, of course, is with Assassin's Creed is even though they're geographically close, sometimes because of the time difference, is, you know, the, the reality is going yes. to be massively different. But because I think Baghdad sounds like a pretty wicked place to have an Assassin's Creed game, more so because. I think when they will set it, I want to say this is going to be like 9th century if, if we're talking similar to uh, if Basim's going to be in it. Then, well, uh, Basim, potentially. Basim's a complicated
1: character. Um, oh, okay,
0: I, so I have not played Valhalla yet. So well, not? I've played a bit of Valhalla. I haven't played all of Valhalla yet, so I don't know who Basim is. There's so, a massive
1: spoiler for Basim that could potentially give rise to this being whatever they want it to be. Oh, um,
0: interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. Val, all I'll say is Valhalla went places... And I thoroughly recommend anyone that doesn't want to play 60 hours of open-world Assassin's Creed nonsense, at least look it up and try and read it, because no matter what your angle is, whether you're interested in Norse mythology, whether you're interested in um, what the Animus is capable of, even if you're interested in, let's just say, Desmond Miles of the original trilogy fame, it's probably worth looking Uh, up where Valhalla goes.
0: Interesting. I I definitely need to get on that. Like, I've... um, I've been meaning to play it for ages and it was more it was more the size of the game which is why I put it on a bit of a back time. totally. Um but it's uh I think One other interesting thing that came out, like we're saying, you know, we don't know the Aztec thing could be a future thing for the Assassin's Creed series. Jason Schreier has confirmed that when Infinity drops, it's going to have multiple places, multiple timeframes, and is more of a a platform as opposed to like a specific Assassin's Creed game. But he said he knows of two locations um, that uh, are going to feature in Infinity, and neither of those are Aztec either. So as far as he's concerned, there is nothing Aztec going on at the moment. But I mean, just because that's the case... That doesn't mean that ACG is wrong. Like you said, Jamie, absolutely could be something coming in the future. It could be like some other DLC thing. It could feature in another game. Who the hell knows of Assassin's Creed these days? Um, It is anyone's guess.
1: Especially when it comes to Infinity, which just feels like we have the loosest possible idea of what they imagine that thing is going to be. And like you said, it lends itself to any possible rumour or speculation somehow being true. And one thing that caught my eye even about this uh, statement that Jason Schreier made about the future of Assassin's Creed is when he was trying to refer to these two locations within Infinity that he knows are not Aztec in nature, he used a bunch of different words to try and describe them. And one of them was biomes. And like the idea that, of Assassin's wow. Creed. Yeah, exactly. The idea of Assassin's Creed Infinity being a thing that then houses like different bi- like. It's very strange the idea that Jason Schreier, who's someone who clearly through some source or another is quite close or familiar with this project, and even he hasn't settled on what terminology he wants to use for these locations, is fascinating. I must admit, the idea that Assassin's Creed Infinity could end up being like
0: a Westworld, where you have like, biomes yeah. that you come in and you go out, that does sound pretty cool. Um, especially if as you left one and walked into another, you, almost like Holo, like Star Trek holodeck style, you put on different outfit to fit in with the place and stuff. I can imagine that be, could, could be yeah. quite cool. But
1: Even, no, do you I'll remember do um, a few Assassin's Creed's ago, where they were sort of slowly ditching the animus and putting less emphasis on the player character you worked for a fake video game developer and yes. the worlds you were and the ancestors you were loading into were like games basically that were like you just sat at a desktop PC and were like I'm going to go to Black Flag now and maybe it was like well let's make that, that was real. so weird
0: I, d- I didn't really uh, I wasn't a fan of that like I used to like the old the whole the way they did the Animus back in the day and it was like this big thing and then it, 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 I suppose the overworld did kind of get a little bit too weighty with like the, the lore and the story of the overworld. So I can see why they maybe well, yeah. shifted and moved around with what they were doing. But totally, you know, I, I would lie if I said that I had any idea what the, where the Assassin's Creed story in general was at this point. Like it got so complicated with <laughs> all the bullshit.
1: Yeah. It, 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 that's the thing. It got complicated. Then it wrapped itself up and then it tried to avoid the bullshit. Then it went back to the bullshit. Um, and uh certainly between odyssey and valhalla there was some utterly like kind of like wolfenstein two levels of i really wish i could explain this plot point to someone in a way that <laughs> like well, they won't care about the spoilers because i need people to know how utterly bizarre this is yes um, it's
0: funny it yeah. you know was funny one of my favorite assassins creed games is probably syndicate which that's, that's fair I know that's most people would think that's quite weird, but one of the things I liked about that was that they did have bullshit, and it did go a bit wacky. But I liked that they tried a whole load of new things, and it did seem like it was a it was like a fun game, you know. And it was it was it was pretty cool. Yeah. But they they've done so. If you put together all of the Assassin's Creed games and looked at all the different things they've tried, different ways they've tried to like you know incorporate modern day, the past, you know, the, the way you play as different characters. It's so confusing it's almost because it's almost like they just have a punt sometimes at different mechanics as well they're go, we just going to try this and then they just sack it off because it doesn't really work so
1: yeah no totally i I know this is the uh question as old as time itself when it comes to this series but it lends itself quite nicely to infinity where would you like to see the series go in the future
0: (sighs) that's it's so tricky like i so I'm I'm torn as well because one of the things I used to enjoy about Assassin's Creed games when I so I I started playing Assassin's Creed One and was blown away thought that game was absolutely stunning graphically, um, incredible mechanics the parkour of it like introduced parkour to video games I would I would argue um, and the way that he like runs around and climbs buildings and things and I've always loved the historical aspect of Assassin's Creed and show it and almost feeling like you can be there. So part of me wants them to do more of that, but then part of me, to be fair, wants them to go a completely different direction and to kind of go um, and just like, I don't, I don't even know, maybe do like go, even like cyberpunky and just go through a completely different route, like a futuristic-y, you know, alternate reality, something like that, which I think would be too much for a lot of fans. I don't think they necessarily like it. I know it's about, you know, the animus and stuff, but I yeah. almost if they went like interdimensional, I think that could work. <laughs> okay.
1: That wasn't the answer and, I was expecting. That's interesting.
0: I could absolutely imagine them doing it as well, going, We've actually figured out that not just in your is your DNA encoded with time, memories from time, it's also encoded with different dimensions. <laughs> and then they do some weird shit where you go you pop up in a cyberpunk world or a steampunk world. That I could I could see them doing that. I mean, and then taking historical things and putting like a steampunk or a or a overlay onto it. Like you end up being in a Oh like uh, what what's the like the wild west the Will Smith film
1: <laughs> like yeah put, wild like, west
0: they mash up like wild wild west they do some sort of weird mashups like that or something or like a cyberpunk take on Tokyo in the uh, in the 1800s or some weird shit like that
1: yeah uh, although i feel like you have also just sort of uh, if nothing else knocked at the door of the possibility for some kind of assassin's creed multiverse mm-hmm. shit which is obviously Starting to lose its uh, popularity a little bit now. I feel like some people think it's been done to death. But the idea of like um an Avengers Endgame style scene within Assassin's Creed where like Altair and Ezio and and uh like that would be Cass- brilliant. and Cassandra and all the uh, all these people are like together, all the protagonists come together.
0: Oh, I'd, 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 mate,
1: I'm going to push you further than that not
0: just the protagonists like Da Vinci rocks up like some of the other like well, cool little side characters they've been there just for no apparent reason they just come by to help fight the big bad like right at the end yeah Yeah, I could see it man
1: and the, the big bad you- is a literal god
0: do you know? You, I then thought as I was saying it, like one thing that would be interesting, and I don't know if they would dare to do this because, of course, Assassin's Creed. Every time you play Assassin's Creed, it starts with the team that develop Assassin's Creed is a is a diverse, like multicultural team because I think one thing they don't want to do is is offend people, and and obviously they're not trying to; they're just trying to make a cool game. What do you think people's reaction would be if they actually had uh, if it was set around like Jesus times? <laughs>
1: And, and <laughs> the passion of the creed,
0: <laughs> the passion of the creed. In in uh, but what, where is it? Like Bethlehem? Is that that's where that that's is. where he's
1: born. Jerusalem. This,
0: this, that's, that's that's like no, it's not Jerusalem, though. Is it? It's like bag. It's like Baghdad, isn't it? Baghdad what, what? Is, is kind of around where he would have been born. Oh my goodness! Everyone where now is going. Jesus all the Christians again getting
1: pissed live? off now. Live Nazareth. Where, Jesus of Nazareth. Where northern, is Mor- nor, that-
0: nor, northern israel oh okay all right it's northern israel all right fair enough so in that region like yeah at two thousand years ago i think that'd be quite cool but I, I imagine some people would get pissed off especially if they had some like al- almost godly interventions in certain things
1: <laughs> like I, they, they like- can't they can't lean into that shit too heavily i don't think <laughs> like that just sounds like that's one of those things where you sit, well, you never know with fucking Ubisoft, to be fair, but you hope they get to a board meeting stage with that, and they're like, this isn't worth it. This is just going to piss off too many people. But they don't know. They
0: lean into other God stuff. Why not lean into the God Christian God stuff?
1: But the, the gods they lean into, are, they're all fake gods. Like, like I guess. But then, hey, okay, yes, I see <laughs> Okay, so now we are going to start offending people, Jesse. We've got to be careful. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, but you no. Know, one thing I did also just remember, just talking about your idea of kind of like uh, different, um, not quite you, I, not you weren't quite talking about multiverses, but the idea of like parallel dimensions and alter alternate dimensions and stuff like that, where like different timelines look different or advance differently. Do you remember, there was also almost a hint of that. In Assassin's Creed Unity, where you would almost get these Bioshock Infinite-style tears that would allow different time zones, and so you'd be, yes. you know, in Paris in whatever period of time that was, and these tears would open up, and World War II would be going on around you. Um, playing with some of that stuff a bit more could be could be cool.
0: It could be. I mean, that could be wicked. I, it must be super hard to kind of get all that stuff working coherently and, sure. and to have a. And to have a, a narrative that makes sense, but then they've always struggled with that anyway. So you know, why not push the boat out? So no, it would be it would be cool to see. Definitely, I'd, yeah. I'd be I'd be I'd be up for that. What What would you go for? What would um, if you um, could pick the next setting?
1: It's tough, man. I, I, like ironically, I think now that we're talking about and thinking about Aztecs, I think that would be cool. Um, one of the things that kind of opened my eyes to the slightly more Assassin's Creedy nature of potentially of of Aztec. Or Mayan civilization says, Do you ever see the film Apocalypto? Yes. Which, yeah, yeah. which again, I, a, a film I put off watching for ages. I thought it would be like really intense or serious. And then I realized it's basically like a, like 70% of that movie is just a really fucking cool escape film of like him, he gets captured yeah. and then he and escapes from that tribe and is basically just running through the woods, killing them Rambo style for like ages. And it's super gory and people's hearts get cut out and all that fun stuff. Um, and then you get the 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 other thing that I always remember about Apocalypto is of course the ending and spoilers here for Apocalypto. But you remember he arrives on the beach just as like the Spanish boats are all rocking up, and it's that kind of one of those weird timeline crossover things in your head where you realise like all these big Spanish armadas and these fleets of ships and that really unique Spanish um, armour that rocked up on South South America occurring at the same time as Aztecs and Mayans were cutting each other's hearts out at so the top of temples. It's like whoa! I think playing with some of those hey, did you know these I, things yeah, happened at a similar time? Kind of ideas would be cool. I, I'm always
0: blown away when someone says, oh yeah, didn't you know that these two things happened concurrently? And, and I'm like, oh, I had no idea. But no, yeah, that's that's one that always comes, comes to mind is like uh, Mayans, Aztecs, Conquistadors and all of that. I, uh, yeah, that they, yeah. that they overlapped is bizarre. Um, but no, um, that'd be, yeah, that would be cool. Maybe that's what ACG was doing then. Maybe it was just wishful thinking and he was trying to put it out into the ether to try and make it happen. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it will be necessarily. But
1: they they, they do a similar thing in Assassin's Creed Origins, just to talk about like the kind of timeline bending stuff. Where Assassin's Creed Origins, I think, because it's set so near the end of the kind of the Egyptian, the when the Egyptians ruled, and it's set during where like Cleopatra is like messing with like the Greeks and the right. Romans and stuff like that. So it's like people like Caesar are alive, and it's like hang on, a in one second I'm like climbing up and. A pyramid and the next second we're just talking about the assassination of Julius Caesar. And it's yes. like, like connecting all those dots and I think that's Well Mark
0: Mark the... Anthony was boning Cleopatra, wasn't
1: he? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's weird when you get all that, yeah. that crossover. It one is, bummer I sure. will also say on the in the realm of things Assassin's Creed I think missed out on in this case is that I feel like we were talking about a feudal Japan Assassin's Creed for many, many years and it goes to Tsushima K ate yes. its lunch big time. Um, so yeah <laughs> already did it yeah have, have they they haven't done China have they I don't think uh, they did China in one of those weird like 2.5D side-scrolling Assassin's Creed games like the weird like, Tales things I forget what they're called but yeah never properly fully 3D oh like that would be a, a Chinese one would be incredible
0: I'd say it would be amazing like the Opium Wars if you had uh, mm. uh, Britain um, China obviously Hong Kong the Opium Wars like, or something around that would be I would find that amazingly interesting, purely because I don't know anywhere near enough about it. Um, yeah, which would be like really, really cool.
1: Looking it up, the all three of those chronicles games were actually quite interesting. So, um, the first Assassin's Creed Chronicles China was set in Imperial China in the 1500s. Then you had India, which was um, uh, set in British India in 1841, and the war between the Sikh Empire and the East India Company. And then finally, Russia, which was set in the Soviet Russia in 1918, uh, during the October Revolution. Um, so, uh, we're cool, we're cool with uh, uh, Grand Duchess Anastasia. That, yeah, to be
0: fair, like they're all great
1: settings to do a mainline Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. I wouldn't sure. mind if they redid some set. Like, you mentioned Syndicate earlier. Like, if they found a good excuse to come back to Old Blighty, I'd be all over it. Slightly biased, of course. but
0: yeah. Well, they did, of course, with um, Valhalla but oh, in a in a sorry. in a different way.
1: True, a very good point. I didn't think about it that way. I was too busy raping,
0: um, <laughs> too busy raping and pillaging to get to uh, notice where you were. Yeah, there's a great. Uh, did, have you watched? Oh, what is it called? Is it called? I think it's just called Vikings. That sort of like comedy uh, Netflix series, which is, is, it is a comedy.
1: About,
0: yeah, yeah, about the Vikings. I know that is there's a show called Vikings. Vikings? Not, not Vikings. What is it called? Oh, I'm gonna have to but look. I don't it think up. it's a comedy. No, there, there, it's not that one. There's another one. Um, I haven't watched the drama that. Um, uh, Norseman, Man. Norseman, yeah, Norseman is very is very funny. And there's a whole bit in that where they they rock up in in Britain, and they sort of like get onto the beach, and then they just see this table of Brits who are just all. I think they're all like uh, I think they're all religious, like nuns or um, like um, monks or something, and they're all like sitting around going. Hello, it's lovely to be here. How wonderful we all are! And the Vikings just run over and like just start stabbing them and just kill all kill all of them. <laughs> yeah, and take all their stuff. And that, like, yeah, and that was and the funny. dumbest
1: thing about Valhalla because they clearly really wanted you to care about and sympathise and empathise with the the Vikings than you know the Norwegians who you were playing as. And so they did everything they could to make it clear that like, ah, oh, they weren't actually as violent as they were made out to be. And and I was like, yeah, but. The fun, there's still a fundamental part of the story where the pl- protagonist decides to get his entire clan on a bunch of boats, sail over to another country, and just start living there, and just start stealing settlements. Like, yes, you don't, you're not putting a great emphasis on the amount of raping and pillaging and murdering they're said to have done, and maybe you're trying to put your own spin in it, but I am still fundamentally playing a guy who's just invading another territory and, and saying, I'm just looking for a place to live, man. Why are you you messing with me, man? I'm I'm just bored of the snow. I just want a new home. Crying out loud. Not that deep. That is so funny. Um, But
0: there you go. Uh, We've got to wait until September to hear some more from uh, Ubisoft because that is when they're going to have their uh, little. I think it's an Assassin's Creed special, um, isn't it? They're they're going to do. I think they've called it
1: both. They called it like an update on the next Assassin's Creed will be in September. And then in the week later, they were like, there's a Ubisoft forward in September. So right, right. so other so other stuff as well. Okay. Well,
0: hey and we don't even have that long to wait now it's still September so yeah we okay. can we can hang on. Exactly. Um I think it's time now though Jamie. Should we have a comment of the week? Let's do it. Uh, last week, for people that um, listened, I don't know if they remember, but we were talking about Maverick because finally Chris caught up and saw it as well, um, and was giving us his take on it. And we ended up talking about a little bit about Top Gun, and Chris was telling us how he really got into the uh, the story in Top Gun about conspiracies and jet planes that didn't work properly, and to which we. I think Jamie and I were both sort of saying like, that's not Top Gun. I don't know what you're talking about. And off the back of that, a couple of our, um, our very kind commenters, uh, Jesper Camden-Nielsen and Neil D commented, um, just to re- sort of confirm for us that that is in fact Hot Shots that I think we mentioned at the time. And it's not from Top Gun. Um, and in uh, Hot Shots, it's Topper Harley, who's the Tom Cruise maverick s character, um, who gets brought back into the Navy. Um, and they're hoping that he will fail and because the aircrafts are crap, basically, and they're going to break and not work, and they're trying to get, you know, the big bad guys are trying to get their contract through so they can make a lot of money, as Chris said, but he got the film wrong. It was not Top Gun. It was Hot Shots. So thank you for everyone who commented um, just just to let us know. And I do believe that both of those people are, in fact, Patreons um, over, oh. at, well, patrons over at patreon.com forward slash supershow. Um they are absolute legends and they subscribe to us and they support the show to keep us coming back week after week. And I would like to read out some of their names right now. You'll see some on screen, but I'm going to give a shout out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdenese, Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Pears, Neil of Prosthetic Mustaches, Daniel, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen. And the big dogs, they are Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw reed Manuel, Donut County, Stan Guerrero, and Peaswatt. So thank you so much to all of you, absolute legends. And thank you to everybody who comments, who subscribes, who likes, who tweets at us, who does all of that good stuff. Also, if you uh, DM us on Twitter, we love that because Chris is the one who tw- checks that, so he's not here this week. And if you've w- listened to this before he has, you could send him some shit on Twitter and DM, and he will be really surprised to get it. Oh, you could really so, confuse him. You could, yeah. Like I, I don't even know what you what you could do, but use your imaginations. That's what I would say. Um, but before we get on to some news about Skate 4 and Nintendo, I want some news about what you've been up to this week, Jamie.
1: Oh, Jamesy, this week I have been turning Japanese, I really think Ooh. so. Um, kind of, but... It, a good, but I, a good I, thing I, to I turn, turn to, to be fair. I mean, you're right, there are worse things to turn than, than Japanese, uh, for, and... This is probably as close as I'm ever going to get to um, tasting or experiencing authentic Japanese culture because I've been playing two games that just happened to be set in Japan, one of which wasn't even made by a Japanese studio, so there we go. Um, Yeah, still kind of flexing my muscles and getting used to the catalogue of games available on the new tiers of PlayStation Plus. I have been playing some Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut this past week because that, much like Death Stranding a few weeks ago, was a title that I had not gone back to since the release of the Directors Cut and since the native PlayStation 5 version was released. In fact, I haven't played any Ghost of Tsushima since I beat it. Um, it's about, about about two years ago now, as crazy as that is to wow. think about. Yeah, time flies, right? Um, and so I thought it would be nice to see it running um, at 4K and at 60 frames a second and to experience some of the other bits and pieces. But honestly, the most... Uh, I don't know how much you remember about the Directors Cut specifically, but the thing that blew my mind was the, the load times, or lack thereof. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, you just go to fast travel and the game, it just feels like it fades to black and then fades back and you're just you're there and it's scary. It's funny, so you played it like a full year ahead of me because I only played the
0: Director's Cut Edition. I think I, in fact, waited. So I, I think I was sort of like a third of the way through, then I waited for the Director's Cut Edition to come out and then finished the game, I believe, in that. And I ended up literally just flitting around the map by going fast travel, fast travel, fast travel, wherever I yeah. needed to go. So if I wanted to upgrade something or if I wanted to get something and it was like oh yeah the wind's saying it's in this direction I would just point in that direction and then I would just fast travel to the location on that line just to like get to wherever I was trying to go more quickly and it's so
1: quick it's ridiculous it's scary like it, it the first time you experience it you're like what what just happened um and it's yeah it's gonna be really hard not to take advantage of it in the same way that it sounds like you did um even if that world is in theory quite fun to explore and mess around in but it's also just a really good game. Its strengths and weaknesses, unsurprisingly, are the exact same as they were at launch. And you know, like there are still some, maybe some slightly ropey elements around the uh, the side content that populates the open world portion of the game. Uh, some of the the actual side missions or the tales, as they're called, feel a, a little bit simple in nature and a little bit stilted in terms of their presentation. But fundamentally, I think that's a game with like a, a, a surprisingly engaging and driving uh, core plot and core group of characters. Uh, amazing combat. Like, mm. I talked about comparing Ghost of, Sh- Ghost of Tsushima to Assassin's Creed. I think that's one territory where Assassin's Creed lost so much ground uh when i came to playing valhalla later that same year compared to what ghost of Tsushima was able to present at launch was i i just love that combat and i love the way it like grows and expands as you uh, unlock more skills and unlock more stances yes. and yeah one it's, of those
0: the combat is so much i i'm i'm with you the combat is so much fun in that game the yeah. standoffs were like one of my favorite parts of that entire game was just like enjoying
1: totally. how good it felt and like one of one of those great kind of like arcs of like you talk about the standoffs like it's so good to have a game that lets you feel powerful enough to kill in when it's fully leveled up five people in one hit essentially but still have this really nice arc like i said of the enemies that you're taking on and the way that they are geared up or the move sets that they have or the volume of them always feels like that ramps up alongside you to keep the challenge consistent and that great balance of feeling like a legit samurai who has learned so much shit over the course of this invasion, but at the same time is still coming up against challenges that feel appropriate for what he knows. Um, I gather that, I've that i never actually played it because I've never played the director's cut, but I gather that extends to the Iki Island expansion as well, where I remember some people jumped into that um, completely cold when that director's cut came out because they didn't want to replay the whole game. And they were like, oh man, this is kind of tough. But it was like, yeah, that's what the game had to do to ramp up as you just your you know, your plethora of skills as your you know your armory of ability just just expanded so much and um, and exploring that territory again is really cool. Well,
0: see, I, I I haven't finished the Icky Island expansion and you and just like talking about Ghost of Tsushima, I'm like damn man, I need to get back into that. I need to do do the Icky Island stuff yeah it's such it is such a cool game like you said even the the areas where it does have weakness i think the what where its strengths lie make up for that in spades it's like just so so well put together it's funny actually cuz obviously just talking about assassins creed and ubisoft i don't know if this ever happens i would love it if ubisoft went and spoke to sucker punch and were like can you can we have a chat about uh, ways in which you think we could improve on uh, some of the titles we've made recently? Like, how have you integrated this sort of combat? And that would be pretty oh, yeah. cool
1: if that did happen more. It it would be interesting. Um, and yeah, like the the funny thing is, like you think about it, and there's a lot of similarities in so much as that they're both games. I know Valhalla switched over to the kind of the Dark Souls style. Um, Shoulder buttons for for light and heavy, for example. But they are still games where you're kind of you're tackling a number of different enemies at once that come at you with a number of different weapons and styles, often associated with those weapons. And it's that very familiar. If you look at Ghost of Tsushima's like face button layout, it's that very familiar of circle is a dodge, and if you double tap circle, it's a roll. Squares the light, triangles the heavy. Um, you know, you, you Ghost of Tsushima didn't have a lock on at launch, but it does now. Um, and so, you know. But, Like, there are things like Arkham-style things that you can quick use by tapping R1. You throw, you know, like your kunai, and L1 is block. And, if you hey, go figure. If you time your block well enough, it becomes a parry. And if you do a really good parry, it's a really good parry. Um, (laughs) And so on and so forth. Like, hold L2 and you get your bone arrow. Like, a lot of those things are exact one-to-one replicas of what Valhalla does, but yeah, it it just doesn't it, it doesn't feel right. It Valhalla doesn't nail the feel of that um third person combat and it doesn't n- nail the feel of that like i said that kind of that up ramp of getting more and more powerful because Assassin's Creed's power is driven by numbers rather than actual abilities and changes in technique um and changes in scenario and i know i'm a big fan of numbers going up and that's why i finished those games cuz i like the numbers going up but Ghost of Tsushima is like, no, your number's not going to go up. But you're just going to learn a stance that is really effective against dudes with shields. And if you put yes. more points into that stance, you'll learn this combo that is, uh, you know, an offshoot of that stance that is really. And all of a sudden, you're you're compiling all these uh, layers that pile on, you know, just the right clip that you're picking them up as you go, and you're unlocking something using it, adding it to your brain. You know, your memory bank of tools that you've got and then moving on in the game with that in mind. Whereas Assassin's Creed is like, I'm just mashing R1 until this person dies, except my axe is, in theory, 100 power better than it was six hours ago.
0: Yes, in which case it does more damage, which means I don't have to mash it quite as many times to take out the guy. (laughs)
1: Like and like, imagine if Ghost of Tsushima was like. Ironically, Ghost of Tsushima does have an upgrade system for for your core blade. It's one sword that you have throughout, but you can yep. upgrade it. But Ghost of Tsushima can is never as simple as I oh, just mash R one until they die. Like no. if you go into the game with that in mind, you won't make it past the first few encounters. Or normal. And al- it's
0: almost ironic because um, uh, if, obviously Ubisoft also make For Honor, which um, really does a focus on. Um, not numbers going up, but like t- combat, time combat, yeah, stances, stances and everything. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of, you'd think that they would have more of a handle on uh, of, of the midpoint between what Assassin's Creed is doing and the numbers going up and what um, Ghost of Tsushima is doing and using, you know, stances and things. And maybe that they could have drawn on some of their For Honor influence in, 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 the, in, the, in the future games to give you a little bit of something else. But
1: Yeah, it, it wouldn't go amiss. It wouldn't go amiss. And just get away from that whole... Really stupid skill tree, like that 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 skill tree that just looks massive, and it only takes you about half of the game to kind of get over it. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that Assassin's Creed could be could and like the repetitiveness and the grindiness of some of that combat was what really bored me towards the end of Valhalla. I don't know how I'm talking about Ghost has turned into slagging off Assassin's Creed Valhalla, <laughs> but that's Valhalla was like My a fault. disturbingly average game relative to how much time I put into it. Um, uh,
0: so what? Um, what other Japanese-inspired game were you playing?
1: This one set in Japan, although and also not quite modern-day Japan. I think eighties Japan, but actually developed by a Japanese studio. This time, I've been uh, dipping back a little bit into the world of Yakuza, um, because I don't know. I don't know how you feel about the series, but it's one that I've always been aware of and had on my radar. It. Yeah, like, I'd had it on my radar for a little while, and the problem I always had was that the first Yakuza game I bought and wanted to give a go in earnest was Yakuza 0, because I remember that came out on PS4, like, I think it was early 2017, and the reviews were like, this is really good, and because it's a prequel, it's a good point to get in. And I right. started it, and I fell off, and I never went back to it. And then, like, I think it was 5 and 6 came out after that, and they were both well-received, but I'm not going to jump in at the 5th or 6th entry, and even, like... um the the fact that like a dragon was a uh, focus on a different protagonist and had the turn-based system wasn't enough for me to go like, yeah, this is the one. And all of a sudden they've just been, uh, ramming them all on game pass. Um, and this was the week where the final bunch, I think it was zero and Kiwami one and two or something like that. Um, got added. So now every single Yakuza game, I believe, apart from like weird, titles that never made it out of Japan and like the weird zombie games and all that kind of weird shite, the spin-offs. Um every mainline Yakuza game is now on Game Pass for Xbox and PC. And I was like, fuck it. Like let's let's play a game where you play as a member of the Yakuza in eighties Kamarocho and running around with a really over the top melee system and Yeah. And it's been it's been interesting. I'm still not convinced Yakuza's exactly for me. Um right. but the combat is Quite fun. Um, I I think high praise. Here's the thing about it: when Yakuza's combat is flowing and it feels as impactful as it can, and you're pulling off these crazy, flashy special moves, they're super cinematic, and it knows exactly how to deliver these really cool, empowering moments. But a lot of the kind of the beat-to-beat action in a Yakuza game, especially as you've got this meter that fills up, and the more the meter fills up, the faster you're throwing your punches. So there are these times where you don't have much momentum the kind of the dodge parry system and the block system aren't super refined, all that well explained as well. And so sometimes some of these fights feel a little bit sort of off kilter in a way that didn't really do it for me. It's also got a very strange, unique brand of exploration, which is just that the open worlds aren't massive, but there is a lot to do. And so you're kind of running down these narrow streets that, you know, in a GTA game, you'd run down the whole street without thinking twice. In Yakuza, you run the same distance. You've run past like seven different arcades that have like an actual one-to-one remake of Space Harrier inside it. So, <laughs> right, just getting used to kind of taking advantage of some of that stuff. I will say, it's the writing seems really strong. The uh, performances and the cutscenes are are also very good. Um, it's engaging in a weird way, but I again, I'm not a thousand percent sure. I'm I'm a Yakuza guy at heart. So
0: yeah, it's interesting because you, um, you sort of saying that you've been playing it. I actually saw someone else uh, tweeted out saying that everyone they were I think there's something like everyone should play Yakuza Zero if they haven't played it because it's incredible. Um, and it's, and the series is one that I've wanted to dip into um, mm. in the past, but just haven't. But yeah, the fact that they're all on Game Pass now, I keep seeing them on Game Pass as well. I'm keep like oh maybe I should yeah. actually think about playing them. But like we said before, too it's many right sure, too right? many games, not enough time.
1: Yeah, because they are also quite long, in spite of the fact that they're not that big in open world terms. Um, they're dense. So it's like that could be like, a, I believe with, you, with Zero, it's like a 30, 40 hour commitment. Um, with more I have a way around that. To be.
0: I do have a way around that. Um, I just don't finish games. That and works. Then, then they're only as long as you play them for. Then you just move on.
1: That I like that way of thinking, yeah. That's I like say? food. Food's only in, as unhealthy as the amount of it you eat. Like, exactly. You can't guilt, stop eating. You, it. Can't, you can't guilt trip me when you see me at the front door picking up two extra large pizzas. You don't. I could have one slice and put the rest away. You, you don't might, know how much you, of this might, might
0: be. That might be a week's worth of food. You might be a very efficient eater.
1: Yeah. Um, exactly. Exactly. And the other thing that like doesn't help with food and also doesn't help with the games that we're talking about is that like the service <coughs> scene continues to get more and more bonkers. And for people like you and me, who I know were both kind of suckers for, like, it's, it's a bargain. I'd be losing money if I didn't do this kind of way of thinking. Every game I think we've spoken about, from Ghost of Director's Cut, to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, to Yakuza 0, like, we've spoken about three sizable open-world action adventure games that are all available on subscription service that that you and I already signed up to. Which yep. is, like, that's, it's just painful just painful like it's, I it's, I, 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 don't, I need to have nothing on my plate for Tuesday in time for Stray Jonesy oh the Stray we have to
0: play Stray because everyone is playing Stray at the, or everyone's looking forward to playing Stray when it comes out on the 19th so yeah we do have to get, keep some space for Stray um it's it's funny actually because uh they were saying about games coming to services. Last week obviously I talked about the fact that I'd been playing Biomutant on the two um two hour free trial on right, PlayStation. Yeah. Um and one of our commenters actually said, uh, don't buy Biomutant. It's actually coming to PlayStation Plus and the PlayStation f- on the PlayStation Five version of it is um in the near future. So they were like, So again, it's another game that you don't have to buy, it's coming to a service and then you can crack on. Um But do you know what? I've barely played anything um, in the last week since we chatted. I've watched a couple of things, though, that I will keep brief, because um, A, I don't want to give away any spoilers, and B, some people just might not give a shit. So (laughs) two (laughs) things happened. You'd have to be under a rock, maybe, to not have heard the, the season three finale of The Boys. Um, that was last Friday. Um, and I had I had to wait until like oh, what was it? I think it was Monday this week until I could watch it. And so I was trying to steer well clear of Twitter so that no one ruined it for right. me because I had no idea. Um, but yeah, uh, it was it was a good finale. It didn't quite do everything I was hoping. It didn't quite yeah. hit some of the heights. It was it was a, l- a little bit of a damp squib, maybe in some respects. But I, it's funny with that show, Homelander is like he makes that show, I think. I think without him, you do you don't have a show that's anywhere near of the caliber that it is. However, I do think as the show's gone on, a lot of the writing and the other characters in the show outside of the initial core cast have been developed quite well and they've actually pushed it into some interesting areas, which I don't you often don't get with shows. I think usually it kind of maybe stagnates. But I've liked with some of the stuff they've done outside Are of the, the main any like characters in particular that
1: have kind of <laughs>
0: So for example, like the way that they did some weird shit with like Black Noir um, as they in like season three where they introduced some of the weird uh, like animation and stuff and uh, they did some of the, um, you know, reflecting on what had happened to him in the past. I liked the way that they took some tangents and sort of did that. Um, They've also done some interesting things where they've, um, uh, with like characters like Maeve and things where they've explored them a little bit more fully and sort of... um, just, just like not stuck to the the main crew of Frenchy, um, MM, Butcher, and Huey um, mm. and Starlight. Like I like it when they they push outside of that. Um, and I think that they've because it was it, it would have got a little bit stagnant. I think if we were just still listening to Butcher go. Oh, you bunch of fucking idiots in his in his. And I, I, I need a accent. little
1: bit more Australian in that cockney accent, please, James. <laughs>
0: I don't even know if I can. That's the thing. As a Brit, I don't know if I can do Butcher's voice. It's too hard to do. Come on. Apples and pears on the barbie, man. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> it's a weird kind of medley. But he pulls it off. So, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, the other thing I've watched um, that has also finished, and I, 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 from what I understand, I don't know if there's going to be a second season. I think this was more of a setup for something else. Um, the Ms. Marvel uh, series. Right, yes. Um, obviously, Kamala Khan f- coming into her powers as a young woman. The changes that not many young women go through as they get their superpowers. Um, it was an interesting one. I-, I liked the style. I liked the way it was shot. I liked how it was directed. I didn't like some of the decisions that they made around the show. It's- so for example... All oh, right.
1: Sorry, go on. I was going to say, was this the finale specifically or the whole show? But the-, the whole
0: show. The whole yeah. show in general. I don't want to give, give anything away from the finale. Um, yeah, there's, like, some stuff they've changed. Like She doesn't have like just morphing powers. She has like a hard light ability like power where she can um, she can create hard light things that she can like stand on or she can make her she can make effectively have like longer legs because she has this sort of um sh- crystals that come out of her as opposed to Kamala Khan obviously in the games and in the comics and stuff she just makes her body grow she's more like um a stretch Armstrong what's the guy kind of name? thing
1: what's, what's the guy
0: from stretch Fantastic Armstrong? Four what's oh, the Fantastic Four Mr. Guy? Fantastic Mr. Fantastic who can stretch she's more I like that. he's got
1: an actual name but I forget it Reed, Read Richards. He yes, Fantastic. That, I, think, I
0: think that is it. I think that is it. I yeah, he has just like his own name, which is a bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, he's missed, he's Reed Richards. He's Mr. Fantastic. Why is he Mr. Fantastic? Because he can stretch his cock and his and his wife loves
1: it. Big time. Makes Jessica generalism.
0: Alba as well in that original two exactly. films. I heard the
1: thing even got a piece. Even got a slice wow. of the pie. I bet, I bet he did.
0: Um, but yeah, so, there, so there's that. There's also, they spend a lot of time in the Ms. Marvel show like talking about and reflecting upon uh we've already mentioned it ironically in Assassin's Creed, um, British India and how it was separated into Pakistan and India. And the there's a lot like they they reflect on that a lot. Interesting. Which is which is fine. Like it's it's obviously a backdrop to the to her getting her powers and her hip her history. But they they spend too much time on it. I'm gonna be honest. Like they they really lean into it. Um Which is, again, which is like, it's fine, but I don't remember, like most, most origin stories don't sort of go, by the way, there's a historical event that we want to keep talking to you about. I suppose Captain America in some sense, like with, um, the Nazi stuff, but that's, again, it's not that much of an influence on the, on the film. They don't spend a lot of time talking about the Nazis and the, you know, the rise of Hitler and all that sort of stuff. They, they focus on the character, um. So, yeah, I think I would have liked it more if they'd focused a bit more, if they'd kept it a bit more down the line of the comic books and what she oh. gets on with. But, no, it's still good. It's still good. It's good, yeah. um, it's good casting. It's, uh, the characters are fine. The acting's fine. So, yeah, if you're into Marvel and stuff like that, go check it out.
1: I will say the, um, the fans of the boys showed a little bit more restraint uh, than fans of Miss Marvel as far as Twitter goes because uh, the Miss Marvel finale was well and truly spoiled for me, thanks to social media.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh those I it's I was trying to think, like the I don't I think the, the there's less to spoil in Ms. Marvel as well, to be fair. But I guess you're right. I'm it's, I more mean it's still a spoiler, you can still spoil it, but you know it's a, it's a less impactful for sure And the
1: boys one. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Could can is the is going you mentioned the boys finale, is that something that could be actually like spoiled? Um
0: Yeah, you could spoil
1: it, yeah. Right. Is there? Do you think there's going to be a season four of the boys? I'm not sure if that's oh, been confirmed. I think it has not. now. Right. okay. I believe it has now. Um, which is
0: which is good. Yeah. Like I'm I'm glad they're doing that. They're in a weird place now because it's going to be madness. Like I can't imagine where it goes. Right. Okay. Was it? That's, that's fun, it- right? No, it is fun, but what's interesting up to this point with the boys is they've they've been to- they've been playing, and I I wasn't that keen on it. They've been playing with, um, like being very on the nose with uh, politics and kind of hinting that Homelander has a Donald Trumpian esque. Um, like not even esque, like he's Donald Trumpian, sure. and even like there. I don't want to spoil it because it's it's if you. I don't. It wouldn't be a spoiler, but they literally use things from Donald Trump era politics in America that they've put into the
1: boys. I've like, seen one, a few things, but I don't right, know if it's yeah. necessarily political, but like cultural, maybe cultural, cultural, and celebrity culture, celebrity culture. I've seen riffed on in a number of different ways. They've, but they've even like phrases and stuff that you
0: might hear from from like Trump supporters versus like de- oh, the Democrats and little things like that. Like and it's, it's so even I, I don't know if they ever said like "Make America Great Again," but they, it's that kind of thing. And then <laughs> right, and it's you know it's it's very on the, like it's so obvious. It's not hidden. It's not it's not it's like a, it's not nudged at you. You're not nudged with it and gone. Hey, look this this might be related. It's like no no no, this is uh, the worst case if if you had people that believed this sort of thing and they were around and there were superpowers. Um, but they kind of have, they've jumped the shark now on it. Because I don't, again, I don't want to say anything hmm. to give it away, but they've they have done, they've got to a point in that, in that kind of politicisation side and, and saying, hey, this is like the real world real world politics. They've gone so far that now they can't say, oh, it's like this that, that happened in the real world because it's just too far. You've, they've already gone too far. So it's going to be a hell of a fourth series,
1: I think. Interesting, I mean, it sounds it sounds potentially cool as well, though. Like a bit of a like a sort of tangent, but um, it re- just reminded me of it uh, when I was getting into Barry a few weeks ago and looking up interviews with Bill Hader. One of the things that he talked about was how in and who knows how true this is with retrospect. It could just be a fun thing to say as a writer, but at the end of season two, they intentionally wrote themselves into a corner. Where they were like, let's throw as much as we can, and put ourselves and these characters in as hard a position as we can, to give ourselves the challenge of then a challenge of then writing ourselves out of that corner and then growing again. Um, oh,
0: okay, that's I mean, wow. So it's a
1: risk if it's true, but that is a risky manoeuvre.
0: I, I wonder if
1: there's a bit of that with what you were talking about.
0: You, I think you might well be right. Like some the way that some stuff goes down, you're like. Okay, this can only go in one direction, and it's going to be mm, fucked up.
1: Like, so <laughs> I feel like I need to get you to. I really want to know now, but I've also I I know I shouldn't. I've seen seasons one and two, so I should just fucking watch season three. Watch here. it, but yeah, yeah. Like season three,
0: uh, is it also season three? Goes weird. Like it, it goes. To be fair to them, the stuff that they do, which is overtly a uh, a simile of the of the real world or like a caricature of the real world like Nazis and like white supremacists and mm. um just like over the top you know stuff is they just lean into it and actually to be fair it's better that they did i think rather than just kind of allude to it um but that's the thing i that's the thing i think they're going to have a problem with is is how do they do they keep following that path do they keep leaning into you know uh, parodying real life or do they or do they pull back and do they try and actually mm. make it into its own show into a in, it branches off into its own thing again that's the question I have for season 4 and I think as you said they've written themselves into a corner and I would love to see how they're going to get out of it um, yeah well, I'm sure we'll find out when season 4 rolls around if you haven't seen it Prime watch The Boys because it is mad and Homelander is such an evil fuck but he's such a great character and he's so well acted I love like, Homelander's brilliant like genuinely brilliant
1: yeah, insane
0: come out some time brilliant, but brilliant uh, okay anyway we've done enough rabbiting it's time to uh, delve into a little bit more news and one story that um yeah Jamie said he's a little bit worried about is the fact that Skate 4 that we've actually been talking about for a little while now um since a couple of leaks came out has now been um officially titled Skate which I hate it when they do that when they just drop the name like number conventions and just go no 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 this is we're just going to keep it pure skate um it's also going free-to-play, it's going cross-play, and it's going to have cross-progression um, across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Um, but we don't know about last-gen support, so we don't know whether it's going to be um, on the PS4, Xbox, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, at the moment. I love every time they say crossplay, cross-progression, I'm all into it. Especially free-to-play. I think that's super important if it's free-to-play. Um, I think that's sure. wicked, Jamie. Where do your apprehensions
1: begin? Okay, free-to-play? Fine within you know within certain parameters, Cross-play, love it, cross progression love it, skate not so hot. Um, look, I've been trying to break this down in my head for a little while. Um, this has all come from a live stream they did this afternoon where and it's called the it's called like the the boardroom get it because like it's a skateboard <laughs> clever <laughs> pun um, love it yeah. Uh, and they talked about a bunch of stuff. And, like, one of the things they made it clear was that they don't actually see this as a sequel to these three skate games thus far, which I guess is why they're not calling it officially Skate 4. And they see it rather as a, a platform rather than a game that they can expand on for years to come. And I say some- that.
0: I think I actually heard it, it has got. It's not just skate though, is it? The name it's it's Skate Infinity, I believe. I think that's what they're um, they
1: <laughs> yeah. And like so, I think the idea of an Aztec expansion for this, like <laughs> grinding down a mine tip, like it's great. No, um, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm basically I'm very conflicted because I think if you presented to me up front the idea of a free to play skateboarding game from EA, I can start to kind of piece together how how, how that gets fleshed out. And I also think it's very easy, and I actually do take them at face value when they talk about the fact that there's not going to be um, pay-to-win elements and they're not going to like block off area of the map uh, behind paywalls and all the things you'd be worried about in a skate game. Like I've seen a joke going around like, oh, pay four ninety nine dollars 99 to kickflip. I, d- I don't think for a second they're going to do anything of that nature. I think we are probably going to get a pretty well-fleshed-out skate game. I think they're going to try and rope in some kind of uh, progression and levelling system. They're going to tie that levelling system to a battle pass. There That's going will to say be, battle an, pass, yeah, of course. Yeah. Exactly. There'll be an option for a premium battle pass. There will also be a, uh, a premium or a virtual currency, and then that virtual currency can get used to buy a bunch of things from the store that will primarily be cosmetic in nature, but maybe they think of a few other bits and pieces to throw in there along the way, like... I, I don't even really want to speculate which direction they could go in that beyond cosmetic, but like, Hey, if you pay sixteen ninety nine right now, you can skate around this world as a Panda. And Hey, like you're heavily inspired to do so in this game more than previous skate games, because this is a free to play game. So millions of people are going to play it. It's cross play. So like you're playing with all your friends and because it's a platform, you're going to be running around this open world surrounded by other skateboarders. And you're all going to be grinding the same rails and jump off the same ramps. And Again, to go back to where I started, in theory, nothing about that scares me that much. And I actually am not super worried about the way that EA could theoretically monetize this in a way that's predatorial or that corrupts the nature of the game itself. It's just an asterisk next to a title that I thought was on such a positive trajectory. Um, Right. I mean, because everything we'd heard
0: and seen seem to be going in the right direction for a sort of a more traditional skate sequel, right? It seemed to be, no, they're really working on the the mechanics. They're really trying to nail how the game feels. They're not even that concerned about um, graphical elements at the moment. They're just trying to make the game feel good. And then the next big thing totally here is that. free to play. And then it's, Jesus Christ,
1: yeah. what have they done? It's it's like, it's the reverse of the state, uh, the, the expression. This is a case of two steps forward, one step back um so i.e. still net positive but um and i like yeah like you kind of hinted that i remember talking to you and chris about this uh, a couple of weeks ago when the pre 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 alpha stuff started coming out and like hey here's what we've been working on here's early footage of the game i remember being so encouraged by that level of transparency being present at that stage in a vi- the development of a video game that we weren't af- afraid to show off like wireframe player characters and completely untextured or, um, you know, whatever open world environments and so on and so forth Um, like everything, much like Dead Space where they were like, hey, here's a live stream where we're just going to talk you through what the plasma cutter sounds like right now like I love that transparency um, and then in the space of one stream to find out that this isn't Skate 4, they don't consider this a sequel to the original trilogy that I love so much. They consider this a platform rather than a, a sequel, that it is a live service game, that it is completely free to play, and that, that there will be you know a certain amount of uh, microtransactions that come with that territory, no matter, as I said, how the lack of invasive or predatorial nature notwithstanding. It's still just, yeah, like I said, it's an asterisk, that I have how now, as of this evening, had to put next to what was up until this point one of my most anticipated games on planet Earth at this point in time. And that, su- that sucks a little bit for me. And I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think it's going to butcher this title, but I think that we, we have been burnt before, and we have been burnt by EA before. So I'm going to forgive myself for throwing caution to the wind ever so slightly.
0: No, I I think you're right to be cautious. Um, I think that I I can see why you have uh, concerns regarding, I think, and the main concerns, if I'm going to, as someone who hasn't played any of the skate games, I think if I had to say like, yeah, I have have similar concerns, it was going to be, Is the game and the gameplay and everything going to be the main focus or is it going to be, hey, we can make money out of the fact we're releasing another skate title? If they nail the game and it's like, look, people are going to play it because it's wicked. Therefore, we'll be able to sell skins. We'll be able to sell decks. We'll be able to sell whatever, all cosmetics in-game tied to Battle Pass or whatever. So that's how we'll make our money. Amazing. Great. Love it if it is going to be hey this is a way to make money because there's a whole bunch of people out there who would do anything for to play another skate game so actually the game doesn't have to come first the money making process comes first and then we attach a mediocre skate game to it that would yeah that's my concern um yeah i th- i think you know it's hard to not think of something like riders republic um and how although that was for fun that was cool it was enjoyable uh i think something of that caliber Gameplay wise, visuals wise, I think would yeah wouldn't do skate justice probably, um, in that sense because that it felt more like a hey this is fun you can be wacky but it maybe it didn't feel like they would go in gameplay first
1: yeah it was I mean, more about you meant you mentioned Riders of Republic you look at like Ubisoft as an example and all their like f- free to play ventures so far but the ones that have either the ones that have come out or the ones that we've seen it's like like. Roller Champions was a, a complete dud. Uh, Hyperscape, like, di- didn't work at all. Um, uh, there are there are major red flags around things like uh, the free-to-play Ghost Recon title. Um, we have done an entire podcast taking the piss out of X to Fight, which hasn't had the balls to show itself in, you know, daylight since. Like, even at major studios dealing with major IPs, like, Trying to take that kind of free-to-play angle and trying to boost the player base and then monetize in other directions can lead to some very messy titles and some very messy experiences. And I think it would be a real shame if the up-to-this-point good name of Skate was sullied um, in the name of a ultimately like failed free-to-play experiment when I think the alternative is just take the time, time make a really good skate game and release it for $60. And I genuinely think millions of people would have bought it again. I, I, I still think this is a net positive situation when you look at everything going into the development of skate. Um, and I do take a lot of the developers at face value when they talk about the extent to which they are prioritizing the gameplay and the feel and the reason that those play tests are, you know, already abundant at the moment is because they want to get that stuff right. Um, like I said, it is just I didn't want to have to put an asterisk next to one of my most anticipated titles, and I have done now. Uh, no, I, th- I think I
0: think I think fair, absolutely fair to do so. Also, one thing that people that I suppose is good is that as this game is being developed by a new studio, Full Circle, mm. that the EA have put out, which is um, and some of the creative leads are guys who uh, created the original Skate games. So at least you haven't got a whole new development team. I suppose getting involved in this from scratch which is which is something which is a, something to be hopeful for.
1: I mean yeah I guess so. I I feel like there's also a part of me though that feels like if you go back through the dawn of time and certainly if you include kickstarters and indie gogos in the mix and tally up how many times the original creator or the original developers of something being involved in a project was a good thing versus a bad thing right. relative to the final product. I think it'd be a pretty even split in right. all yeah. Um Shout out, out mighty number no. nine. But um, yeah, it's. I guess that. I guess it's a good thing. Like to, having veterans on board is never a is often is, is rarely a bad thing. That's I feel right. like that's yes. a safe enough statement.
0: Uh, so just a couple of little um, bits just to make sure we cover off before we move on. So uh, EA have said that the game will, um, it won't it will feature paid loot boxes and any paid stuff in the game will be primarily cosmetic in nature. Take that from that, you will. Primarily is obviously yeah. a bit of a scary word in there. there. Um, uh, but they have said that it won't feature any pay-to-win mechanics um, or uh,
1: map areas that are locked behind paywalls. So, yeah. So I suppose it remains to be seen, really. What would a non-cosmetic microtransaction in a skateboarding game look like in your opinion? I can't even picture it. The only thing I could think is for
0: example, if they're saying primarily cosmetic would be that if you if you could buy a deck which gave you slightly higher jump ability for example, so maybe you had a slightly longer time to pull off an <laughs> ollie or a um or or you know any trick. And so whilst it's primarily cosmetic because it's more about how the board looks, it
1: does give you a slight advantage mm. maybe in pulling certain tricks um that even that would be controversial if, if oh, and it should be if there's competitive elements that's pay to win yeah well no it, it, well,
0: Is it pay to win I suppose it maybe it's um in the sense that people get really annoyed around Warzone and they say, like, oh, you're using the filth gun to do, like, for whatever. If there's um, a skate-
1: Hey, if, if it's a competitive game mode and there's a skateboard that makes you go faster that you have to buy, that's yeah. pay-to-win, Jonesy. Is, that's is not... There well, that's, a deg- sorry.
0: Is there a degree? Do you think there's a degree that makes it pay-to-win? So if it's, if it's marginally faster... <laughs> Oh, do you no, actually know? I think uh, you're right. Actually, I think you're right because otherwise, if it to any degree that it changes the uh how the board functions or how you function, I suppose why would you include it if it was irrelevant? So it must be pay to win in that sense, even if it's primarily a cosmetic. So, I may yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I guess that would be cheating
1: or uh, yeah. pay to win. do the other thing that I get worried about, just talking about the cosmetic elements here, that you've I just jogged my memory on somehow is these games all go the same way, whether it's like Battlefield and Call of Duty or whatever, um, and Skate will absolutely go this way, I'm sure, because it's not fucking based on a military conflict. Um, it starts off with, like, here's a cool cap, and here's a um, here's a <laughs> different colored backpack, and everyone's like, oh, cool. And then they get a little bit seasonal, like maybe you get to Halloween, and it's like, here's a pumpkin on your head, and you get to Christmas, like... You could dress as Father Christmas. (laughs) By the next summer, like everyone is bright pink, shiny, has some crazy animation. Like their deck is animated, so it's scrolling all over the place. They leave a trail of a rainbow, a sparkly rainbow, every time that (laughs) everywhere they skate. And you'll load into that game, and it's going to look like fucking Fortnite. And I'm going to lose my marbles. I think you've nailed it because because that's what will happen that's what the kids
0: will want that is where the that's what the money will dictate and that is what they will do and you will end up with yeah pink shiny dinosaurs uh going around on rainbow skateboards um and it'll be it'll be horrendous (laughs) and all the people that like the original skate fans will be like i'm out yeah and it would be a bunch of 14 year olds going doing some weird trick where they launch 50 feet into the air and do a some crazy backflips because yeah, they
1: spent 9.99 $9 on the skateboard with rocket boosters on it that can't be used <laughs> in competitive game modes but it can yes. be used in free roam and so they fire off a rat yeah I think I think Great. that's exactly what it oh be. god Jonesy I don't want to talk about it anymore because just, I'm just scaring myself
0: well, hey, let's go from a scary developer and a scary um, publisher to um, one that usually we can have a lot more faith and trust in because they are old Nintendo. And, um, you know, they just keep on keeping on, Jamie. And But they've done something a little bit new because Nintendo have started to drip feed us some tasty little tidbits of uh, new games that they're going to be putting out. Rather than doing like a complete direct um so they have um teased or they've they've announced I suppose Kirby's dream buffet uh which is going to be coming out which is a fall guys Katamari kind of inspired m- multiplayer like online multiplayer local multiplayer which looks pretty cool I'm not gonna lie it it's piqued my interest a little bit after playing Kirby and the forgotten kingdom
1: yeah and that's the key thing right like that that Kirby game apparently did really well uh both. You know, in Japanese markets, also apparently in UK markets, it's like the biggest Kirby game ever, which doesn't surprise me. And so why not cash in on a little bit of that Kirby Goodwill with another title that in typical Nintendo fashion is somehow basically already made and finished? I love how they do that. It's insane. Like, you have to respect the fact
0: that they don't don't leak. They are not a leaky ship. Yeah. And when they do leak, it seems like it's not even true speak to tom henderson
1: so, right yeah i guess so <laughs> like and and this stuff seems to crop up all the time like the, the, the i know we just said they don't leak but and and i guess technically this maybe isn't them because i think it's um an american studio who help out with this franchise specifically but there was a leak last week about uh metroid prime um and the fact that a remake slash remaster it sounds like it's a bit of both of the original metroid prime for gamecube has been done and dusted, ready for the Nintendo Switch, and has been done for a while. And like, developed this person, I think it was Jeff Grubb, who has a source at the studio, It's just like, Yeah, it's done. We're going to do it for two and three as well. But like, Nintendo was just waiting for the right time to announce it and put it out. And they'll do it when they want to, if ever. I,
0: I love how they do that, though. I love how they just kind of have them finished. And then it's the opposite to what we usually see from most places because they, they'll they have a game finished, ready to go, and they'll be like, Yeah, we'll just put it out in a bit. Whereas often, you know, most places are pulling their hair out trying to get something released as, <laughs> Literally. you know, we've seen this year. Um, yeah, because as you said, um, Kirby's Dream Buffet is supposed to be dropping this summer. So, like, in the next couple of months. Uh, I don't think we've got a specific date yet as to um, when it's going to be released. But yeah. impending, I think impending would be the, the yeah. right word to use. I mean, if
1: you, if you say summer and mid July, you're not giving yourself much wheel room.
0: No, not really. um Bayonetta Three has also had a new trailer and it's going to be coming out on twenty eighth of october twenty twenty two um again, I don't think how you can uh, you know that's that's a pretty bloody soon that is not long at all
1: um yeah, I, although I slightly know. different story in terms of how long this one's been around um, yeah
0: we've uh, we've we've known about this for for longer, obviously, but i hey, I've never played a Bayonetta game, and after our little chat before the podcast,
1: maybe this will be the first Bayonetta game that I ever get <laughs> yeah, but can, can I tell people what pitch your interest? Yeah, feel your boots. (laughs) Okay, so basically there's a thing that is in and amongst this, you know, uh, there's a whole host of new information about Bayonetta 3 and the release date that has caught a lot of people's eyes, and it's something called Naive Angel Mode. Um, There's essentially a, a toggle on and off thing that, you know, player's choice, that is a nudity censoring mode because there are certain animations and sequences in which Bayonetta essentially loses her clothes, maybe during certain moves or during some sort of, let's say, heightened outfit swaps. Um, and Jonesy, um, I was talking to Jonesy about this as I was putting it in the uh, the, the document we uh, refer to during the podcast, and just the mere thought that Bayonetta as a character gets anywhere close to being naked made Jonesy want to make this his first ever Bayo experience.
0: She, look, she's smoking hot, all right? She's got the glasses, which I dig. She's got the stilettos on. Yeah, but she's always had that stuff. Yeah, but now, now now
1: I know, now I know that she's going to end up sans clothes after a couple of uh, crazy flips. Awesome, but like always, always with the vitals covered up. And oh yeah, of
0: course. Come on, it's family friendly. Come on, yes, and it's and it's a
1: Nintendo Switch exclusive, so you know she's not. You're not. You're not seeing any. um, Well, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Shall I give you the actual quote from Platinum Games, which we've yeah, said on Twitter? please, please said,
0: "We've we've added the revolutionary naive angel mode to Bayonetta 3, so more people can fully enjoy it. Uh, by turning it on, um, you can play it right in the living room without having to worry about what's on screen." We think. <laughs> nice. I like. I want to I know if the we think is like, see, without having to worry what's on screen, we think,
1: or whether it's what's on screen, we think. <laughs> it's like they're not sure. <laughs> Yeah. I, I also just like that this kind of, like, uh, we're in a weird time, aren't we, where when a Japanese title especially um, ends up getting released in the West or, like, the World, World release involves a release in the West and there's any element of censorship whatsoever that doesn't involve a player choice like this does, so many people on Twitter go mental, like, oh, my God, have you seen? They made her boobs smaller. She doesn't have vagina bones anymore. Um, Which was, that was a real one that was very, very sad and disturbing and depressing. But I like that they're like, hey, this isn't just some weird censorship shit. This is just so if you want to play it in your living room in front of your wife or your mother or your children, like, we've made a mode for that.
0: I've actually found a little video here, which has got home, which you should definitely check out, anyone listen to this. If you head over to um, Platinum Games on Twitter and you can actually see... Uh, a Naive Angel mode on, Naive Angel mode off. And so j- I'll, I'll describe it for you because you can't <laughs> see it. So in the in the off mode, in one of these scenes, she's completely naked, but she has like a, a ribbon yeah, obscuring the goods like swirling around her. So you only see some like thigh, some stomach and stuff like that. But <clears> in the Naive <throat> Angel mode, she's completely dressed in a suit, head to toe. You've then got another um, uh, scene where you've got a, a villain who's basically wearing try i've seen something this before i can't think it was she's basically wearing like i don't know what you'd describe it as something you'd see in a brazilian carnival where uh, like the the nipples are covered and then she has like spiraling metal coming out but the boobs are completely on display um like a janet from, ja-
1: no not even a janet jackson colour kind of vibe no you know like a like
0: like, like like you know like it's like, like a princess a, like, leia less than that like you can see through the swirls though Oh, right, okay. So you can see all boob, but just no nipple. But then if you put it onto the Naive Angel mode, she's she's basically wearing a bra over the top, so you can't see anything again, which, yeah, fair That's enough. That's the I fun can, in that. I can, and then there's another one where she's wearing, like Bayonetta's wearing some insane, you know those really high waist, like the, the sort of like, I what do they call them? Like bodysuit, which looks like it's going to cut your vagina in half. Slight like proper, uh, like comes rubber, straight up like this. Like a mankini.
1: Oh, okay, sure.
0: Like whereas, like Y-fronts that have been put around you over your shoulders.
1: She's Wait, wearing uh, one of those. Wow, okay.
0: And then in the uh, Night of Angel mode, she's covered up. So there you go. This makes- to, to be fair to them, I can, I, I, there is a big difference. I can imagine if you were a kid, this is where it's really going to hit. If your mum saw you playing it with the Night of Angel mode off, I think you'd get in trouble if you were under 14, let's say. Um, right, maybe. With it on, I think you're okay. Because sure. your mum's not going to play the game. She's going to see that, and she's going to go, <laughs> not in my bloody house, and she's just going to take your Switch off you, and she's going yep. lose to lose the plot. That happened to um, me on the
1: GameCube. Die Hard Vendetta. She heard one swear word. She didn't even see the screen, but she took it off me.
0: That, see, that's the thing. They know this. You, they don't have to see, like, full-on boning. They just have to assume that's what's going to happen later on in the game, which doesn't ever happen in a Bayonetta game. But your mum and your dad aren't going to know. They're only going to see that little bit, and they're going to get the wrong idea that you're playing some filth when you're yep. not So fans this is fan service you can turn it i I wonder if you can turn it off and on i'm assuming you can turn it off and on on the fly i'm sure sure. when you're playing it in the living room you put it on and when you're playing it in your bedroom you turn it off
1: when you no longer want to be a naive angel then um you want to be a a knowledgeable devil that's when you (laughs) can turn it off absolutely (laughs) um
0: uh and then, in a the last little bit of Nintendo news, let's move on from Bayonetta and nudity and boobs. Um, Nintendo have revealed the first that. special edition Switch OLED themed around Splatoon Three. Um, uh, yes, and they've also acquired a company apparently, which they're going to rename a CG company, which they're going to rename Nintendo.
1: Peaches. James, you can ask a quick favour. Yes, can you say the um, the name of that game again, please? With the Squid Kids, Splatoon Three. Splatoon hmm. Three. <laughs>
0: Splatoon.
1: <laughs> no, I Splatoon. prefer Splatoon. Splatoon three. Splatoon, Splatoon three. Splatoon three. I don't know why that caught me off guard. Um, yeah, a game Splatoon I could never 3. get. And a game I could never get into. I must sure you know what I bought Splatoon two on the Switch. Obviously, the first one I think was a Wii U title, so that was a wash. But Splatoon two, I had a good time with. And in the early stages of the Switch, where there wasn't that much first party support, and everyone was looking for something to play after Breath of the Wild, I was like, yeah, I can take this to work and. Play it and, and tether it to my phone and do a bit of competitive splatting, but Splatoon three, I don't know if it's just because I haven't been paying enough attention at the recent directs and the recent trailers, but there's nothing about it that's really grabbed me yet. But we'll see. It's out in a couple of months.
0: I think I played Splatoon two at an event, uh, and mm. it was exactly what I had always imagined. Um, yeah, and was that, like,
1: yeah.
0: and was like, yeah, I'm not into it. It's, I mean, it's, there's nothing it's, wrong it's, with it. it, it no, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's inky kids who can just glide around in paint
1: and I'm like, Yeah, all right, it's not for me. <laughs> I'll move on. Yeah, but at some point you gotta get out of the paint and start shooting. Stop blasting. That's where the real fun is to be had.
0: That is where the real fun is to be had, to be fair. Maybe I'm just not very good at the blasting.
1: No, it was good. And I, I thought the kind of the, the, the world outside of the actual game was quite fun and wandering around that little high street and saving up for the fake Yeezys and seeing all the drawings that people had done on their profiles. Like I thought it was kind of engaging, but Maybe I'll just stick to wanking off to bayonetta when it comes to Nintendo this year. <laughs> Try, and put in the naive angel mode
0: on, and, st- and still that, trying see to get that,
1: it that's done. the That's the real challenge. Can you Can you Can you finish with the naive with the naive angel mode on? That's That is going to be the new thing. Yeah. Don't
0: Don't, don't type that into Reddit because you'll see videos of people can- trying to prove you can.
1: Oh god, yeah. Naive Angel Tribute. <laughs> um, moving on. I, I'll be honest though. I, I, I watched that Bayonetta 3 trailer that came with the release date. And oh shit, that poor word usage of words. I'm apologize. Um But I was like. I really struggled to stay engaged by that trailer, and I don't know what that says about the game or what that says about me or what that says about both of us. But I was watching that trailer and I was like. I should be really up for a platinum games developed uh, character action game that's big and loud and over the top and gives me something to do with my Nintendo Switch, but I kind of just didn't vibe with it for some reason, and I don't know why it is. Maybe I just don't have enough Bayon nostalgia.
0: I'm, but I'm the same as you. Every time I see a Bayonetta trailer, I'm like, for any of the games that have ever come out, I'm always like, yeah, it's cool. Don't yeah. have any desire to. Don't have any desire to play it.
1: Which, which is a bummer, because it was one of the kind of the, the horsemen of the Nintendo Switch-exclusive apocalypse, which was there was always that thing of, like, you would talk about how they would release a first-party title every now and then, and we'd talk about, oh, they just released Kirby, and they just released it. And then there were these sort of things hanging ominously in the future, and it was Metroid Prime 4, and it was Breath of the Wild 2, and it was Bayonetta 3 that was amongst them. And now one of them is going to come out, and I might not be feeling it. And now I'm all of a sudden like, looking at that Switch, and I'm like... What am I, one hundred percent, like unquestionably looking forward to for this hardware? And I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say you looked at your switch and went, "What are you? What are you for? I mean, what do I have you for?" There is a certain amount of that. I mean, you know as well. I, I guess I tell the folks at home. I got my email today from Valve about the fact that my pre-order slot for no, my my sorry, my actual ordering slot for the Steam Deck is up now and. I have at the time of recording 3 days to both make up my mind and pe- stump up the cash for a Steam Deck before I lose my slot and have to wait until I guess until it's just readily available off the shelf so to speak the virtual valve shelf um what are your thoughts at this at this point I don't know it doesn't help that um it's it's come at a like a bad time where I do technically have the money um like if, <laughs> Bad time. If, if this, e- yeah, no, seriously. If this email had come in a month or two ago, and I'd be like, "Well, that's an easy no," and now it's a oh, much harder no. Um, right, the decision's
0: already made for you. I, no, I'm not saying that. But it is no, no, sorry. Those... In the in the part, like it oh, would have yeah, been made for you 100%. a couple of weeks ago, or whatever. Um, and now it's not. I I had the same deal when when the uh, the the uh, the Valve Index. Right, yes, um, I remember cause, that because I I was on the shortlist for that and then when when I got my offer to buy it like 700 quid, I was like no way. Like I can't I can't afford this shit and just yeah, let that let it let it ride, didn't do it. So yeah, if you're um because how much is it? Is it 399? Is it I, about, I can't like,
1: re- I can't even remember. I I think I think the one I pre-ordered was the big boy edition, but the email I got didn't include the price. Um, Shall I see if I can find the price? But I uh, just said complete your reservation. It expires at the 17th of July at 9.27am. Steam Deck, 512 gigabytes. If you don't complete your purchase by this time, we'll automatically cancel your reservation. Um, yeah,
0: that is... Um, I'd love to know how, what there are sort of number of people who go through of their pre-order
1: reservations. For the I least. mean, I, th- I think it's got to be more or less um, like there or thereabouts, because... I remember we were speculating at some point whether or not my uh, pre-order slot would almost get shifted forward as they started shipping them and people were not following through. But I yes. think my email has come just about when it was predicted to. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> maybe even slightly later, actually. Um, so, Hodor, what level, what one have you gone with? Five twelve gigabyte. So the the big boy. Gone. What's the damage? Stop pulling faces.
0: Is this current, or is this a speculation? If this
1: says... I mean, I could just open up Steam This or, is from the
0: 1st of March. This says it's £569. Uh, see, hmm. it could be. It could be. That is... Like, Jesus. The 64 gig version. Yeah, but who wants three, 64 gigabytes?
1: Come yeah, on. it's
0: rubbish, right? And that's 349 quid. And then you've got a 256 SSD... Um, which is 459, and you've got the big boy, as you said, which is the 512 gig SSD storage, carrying case, Steam Community Profile Bundle, premium glass, exclusive virtual keyboard theme, and that's 569. Yeah, I'm I'm looking
1: at it right now. I've got a pop-up. I've just opened Steam account alert. Your Steam Deck is ready, but held only two days. Complete your purchase, blah, blah, blah. Steam Deck, 512 gigabyte, 569 pounds. Sterling, um, which
0: is which is weird because if you, I suppose for a for a gaming PC that can run all the games that the Steam Deck is capable of running, that's actually not that bad. Like that doesn't sound bad to me. You're looking in the ballpark of the, a laptop, for example, that could probably would struggle to run most games.
1: Exactly, I was going to say like a, a five to six hundred pound laptop would not be that not be particularly worthwhile in the current market. I think it could. I think it would probably squeak by with a, with
0: like a lot of games, but I don't think it's going to be be able to run everything the Steam Deck can run. So yeah, I suppose in that sense, five hundred sixty nine quid is not bad. Yeah,
1: um, it's, it's tricky, I, man. Can I be cheeky and say five hundred sixty nine pounds for anyone listening is six hundred and seventy three US dollars, given the current um, the current exchange, uh, rate. exchange rate? Thank you. Um, if anyone has any thoughts, please do let me know in the comments down below. i am being deadly serious. Either someone who has thought about the Steam Deck and gone for it, thought about the Steam Deck and pulled out, or better yet, got a Steam Deck themselves. Because I tried to watch some reviews in this past week to kind of settle my nerves, and all it did was made me more spicy. And I realized that this conversation has come off the back of me looking at my Nintendo Switch and wondering whether or not it's dead to me. But I feel like there's a part of me that wonders if the Steam Deck will be different. But is that... Am I being crazy? I don't know. In some sense, I think you are being crazy because I think the Switch
0: does what it... No, no, because I think the Switch does what it does very well and it does, although it struggles with first-party games, there are a lot of games on the Switch. Like, there are a lot of games that you can pick up and play if you really want to. But that having been said, I don't think the Switch is comparable to the Steam Deck in its ability to play in a good fashion a lot of the games that, you know the Steam Deck can play. It just it's another it's a league above the the Switch realistically when it comes to like PC gaming. But how much you want to play those games handheld I suppose is the thing which really which really de- like just makes the decision, right?
1: Yeah. Do right. you want to
0: sit at your PC because you've got a good PC. I know you've got a good rig, so you can sit at your desk and you can play some games. You've got a PlayStation 5, you've probably got an Xbox Series X. Um so I see, yeah, it is it, that. That's, that's the oh, question. Humanity. But, but no, don't worry what I'm saying. As Jamie said, um, if anyone knows, I don't know. I don't have a Steam Deck. If you have some insider information, if you own one, or if you just have an opinion, why don't you let us know in the comments down below this video on YouTube um, and let us know what you reckon? I'm,
1: I must admit, I'm completely torn. I don't know. It's, it's, I uh, mean, your summary just then sounded pretty <laughs> negative to me. It sounded like you're trying to get me not to buy it.
0: I, for me, I think it's a lot of money. But then, like I, I sort of thought, thought myself out of that because I was like, actually, if you want to play those games, and you, then that's not that much money.
1: Yeah, but no, in you could be right sense. in both sense. Like, it could be good value and a lot of money, which I think is right. true. Yeah. The other yeah, element you're forgetting trivial. is if I don't buy the Steam Deck, then I can't bring the Steam Deck to your house for you to have a go. Which get, yeah, so that's get, a big bummer for you get the steam deck yeah I
0: thought so <laughs> um but yeah that's uh hey I think that's all we've got that's the, all the news we've got Jamie we've um a pretty tidy pod today yeah we kept we're it under tight. The two hour marks so that's not too bad um the only things uh left to say are thank you To you people out there, thank you so much for watching. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget that we also are on podcasting platforms. And if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, don't forget that you can also go to YouTube and you can have a look at us. Come over, leave us a comment down below, tell Jamie any of your insider information about the Steam Deck, if you've got one, tell him what you think of it. Is it worthwhile? Is it just... A, have you got a Switch and then a Steam Deck next to each other <laughs> and they never <laughs> leave the shelf and all you do is play on your, uh, I don't even know, your Xbox, your, your PC or your, um, your PlayStation 5? Um, I think that'll be that'll be the kicker because what I know Jamie doesn't want is another paperweight, an expensive paperweight. Um don't forget we're on paisleyradio.com as well if you want to check us out over on there Thursday's 10 p.m. Monday's repeated at 10 p.m. and I think that's pretty much it from me Jamie from my new my new little pod digs with my yeah Mace Windu lightsaber not piss yellow nice and purple
1: you know um, now to never change that color again because that remote is broken yeah that that remote is broken i'm going to have to see if i can fix it
0: um if you've made it to this point in the podcast why don't you drop the comment "piss yellow" down in the comments so um, everyone pissy, knows "pissy yellow Jonesy" that you made it? No, don't do that. Just put "piss yellow" don't Alex, Alex Jones.
1: Alex Jones's brand new "piss yellow" office. Thank you. We will see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.